That's why we have to keep stuffing our faces when we taste something good because we are afraid this is going to end and then what? Then I won't have any pleasure. It's the fear of the future that makes us keep going like that. If I don't keep eating this entire bag of potato chips right now, what? What will I have afterwards? Where's the pleasure going to come from? So we just keep going. And that's how a person has binges, overeating problems, you name it. Gambling, relationships, any type of addiction. It has to do with keeping that pleasure going out of fear. Fear that there's not enough pleasure in my life. Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. We're going to ask you and you're going to think about the question, are you hungry? And I'm not talking about food. Well, their food is that food will play in there, but we're talking about the bigger hunger that applies to a lot of things, not just food. I am here today with Bracca Getz. She is an author, and I would love for her to share a little bit about what she is up to in the world. Bracca, can you tell us what you do? Yes, thank you so much. Right now, I'm the author of 41 books that help children's souls to shine. That, that's the purpose of all these picture books that I've written, so that children's souls can shine in the most full way possible, as early in life as possible, teaching them happiness skills that really it's essential for children to learn. And some of the skills have to do with having a healthy body as well. Like I have books about the prevention of abuse of children, books about swimming safely, books about eating healthy. What does that have to do with helping your soul to shine? Because you also need a healthy body for your soul to be able to shine in this world as fully as possible. Absolutely. So why is it that you started writing children's books? I, because I, I'm trying to write the books that I wanted to have as a child. I spent a lot of years in unnecessary pain searching for this wisdom in life about how to live a joyful life. So if we can give children those tools really early on, 
it just eliminates a lot of unnecessary pain that there's enough pain, natural pain in the world. We don't have to add extra pain, extra emotional turmoil that we can, we can find out how to live in this world more joyfully early on. That's why I'm really devoted to writing these books for children. I, I wrote one book for adults, and that's my memoir about this journey to joy. Yeah. Wonderful. I know that in the work that I do, so much of what we do is transform the stuff that we learned, the negative stuff that we learned when we were children. And you always hear about people growing up and then they look at their parents and they're like, that's all my parents' fault because I'm this way and this way and this way. I didn't have the support. They didn't love me enough. They didn't do this enough. And the reality is all of those things may be true. And also we've all got to remember and try to be compassionate that our parents' parents didn't know how to teach us those things. And I think generally speaking, everybody's doing the best they can with the resources that they have. And a lot of times those resources are tainted with trauma loops and these fears that are happening that don't make logical sense, but they're emotionally imprinted into the body. So when you grow up around that and you don't have the knowledge that there's something different, it's really hard to not have those things take over your life and dictate the life that you end up living. So I love that your mission is to help children have access to how to create joy from a young age. Exactly. To teach children in as clear and simple and delightful a way as possible so it can easily be absorbed by the soul. Like we began with, our souls are hungry for nourishment. As much as our bodies, we are physical beings, but we're also, in essence, spiritual beings. This is not as obvious because when you look at us, we look like we're just physical beings. The, the, the soul part of us, the essence of us, the real us is invisible. I, I, one of my books is called The Invisible Book. It's teaching this to children. We believe in so many invisible things. We believe in magnets that pick up paper clips. There's something invisible and electromagnetism. We believe in gravity. We let go of something. There's an invisible force pulling it down to earth. We believe in time, in feelings, in thoughts, all invisible. So it's not that hard to recognize we too are in essence invisible. And, and that part of us needs nourishment every single day, just like our bodies do. Absolutely. So you didn't always know all of these things, just like I didn't always know all of these things. We went on a path that brought us to this place that where we get to share this knowledge with the world. So you did not start off as an author. 
Where, what was your career path? What did that begin as? Yeah, I, I, I went searching for years, trying to understand why I had this emptiness inside of me. I had a nice, sweet life. Why was there still a hole? What was that all about? I wasn't brought up in a spiritual kind of way. So I didn't know what that empty feeling was coming from. Eventually, I developed food addictions, trying to fill that that emptiness. Why? I mean, food is probably the most common addiction. It gives you immediate pleasure. You put it in, you experience the pleasure. And it was designed that way, actually. The natural foods were designed to give us pleasure immediately. But they were also designed to fill us with gratitude when we experience them. That's the part I was never told. When we, when we, when we eat an orange, we are uplifted, we are nourished physically, and we have the opportunity to be nourished spiritually when we really mindfully recognize how awesome it is. So that's what changed for me, recognizing, getting the spiritual wisdom Oh, no, but first let's go into that. I was searching for years and believe it or not, I was searching so hard that part of it was trying to get all the wisdom I could. So I'm at one point I started doing well in school, studying everything. I got into Harvard and then I went on to medical school, but I didn't find the wisdom I was searching for there. It was this intellectual wisdom and I enjoyed it. It didn't fill the hole. The food addictions got worse and worse. I was getting sicker and sicker during those years at Harvard and then on to medical school. So were you, was your quest for knowledge one of the things that you were trying to fill the hunger with? Did you think that if you had enough knowledge that you would feel more satiated, more full? I think I was searching for wisdom but I didn't find the wisdom. So I, I thought maybe here, like Harvard must be like the center of wisdom, but it wasn't. Right. It was all kinds of knowledge. What do we say? We're drowning in knowledge now, but we're, we're still starving for wisdom. It's, it's, we, don't, we don't have enough life wisdom. It's so interesting when I think about people in their career paths so often they're not happy at work or wherever they are. And they think, well, before I leave, I must just go get another degree. I know people that have so many degrees and they're still miserable, but they're chasing the knowledge or the wisdom that they think will make them feel like they can finally succeed at getting the kind of life that they want. They will go to a a lot of, this happens, I think, for a lot of women. They'll go back to school and get their MBA because they're not, they own a business and they feel like they're not being taken seriously in the business world. So they go and get the MBA and they say, some of them have told me, yes, it totally works. People take me more seriously. And I ask them, well, what do what do you think it is that they take you that they why they take you more seriously? Well, there, it's because I have the MBA, 
like, do you introduce yourself every time and say, hello, I am Jane Smith and I have an MBA. And they're, they say, tell me no. Uh, and so what it really comes down to is something changes in how they feel about themselves. Yes. That they believe now, here's the key word, believe that they are now worthy of being taken seriously because they have this degree. And I think when people are chasing knowledge, that is such a big piece. They think that once they have enough knowledge, then that will change everything. But that will only change if you believe that you have the right amount of knowledge. And so often the knowledge is not enough. Brilliant. I, you expressed that so brilliantly. You should know I use my Harvard degree so that people will listen to me. I mean, what I mean is I put it out there. I'm the Harvard educated author. I don't have to say that. That was like a zillion years ago. It was another lifetime ago. But I use it because people give me credibility. Um, because I'm saying that I went to Harvard. Oh, I must be smart that I'm not just anybody spouting these things, even though what I'm talking about has nothing to do with Harvard. Right. I mean, the wisdom I'm sharing, it's ancient mystical wisdom. It, it, it's definitely not what I learned at Harvard, but I kind of use that, you know, as a door opener, actually. Right. Well, and it can be an effective tool if you're I, in a situation where somebody has limited knowledge of you, people have these preconceived ideas. Right. The difference is when you come to the table and you fully believe that within yourself, that's what makes the difference. That's what closes the deals. You might open the door because you have a degree. Right. But who you show up as is what will actually be the thing that closes the deal. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I didn't have what to share because I went to Harvard. It opens the door for me, but what I have to share is something so much deeper than that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You get the degree. <laughs> and I know so many people who've gotten the degrees and they leave, like you get an art history degree and then you go out and you get a corporate job. Your degree doesn't give you anything Right. It shows that you can stick to a plan and you can complete something. And and I think that's a big piece of why people used to be very follow the program. Yes. You can follow the program. So therefore, you can come and work in my job and follow the program. I know that you can do that. Yes. And so, but the degree itself and the knowledge they have might not even have anything to do with what they do. Right. So it's just a piece of paper, but it's what you believe it is. Exactly. And it's what you were saying, too. It overpowers that negative self-talk. If a person wasn't feeling authentic with their business, now they feel more authentic and then they have the confidence to be able to do what they want to do. Exactly. Because that's what it is. The degree gives you the confidence. You see people that get plastic surgery and they're confident and happy. It's not that the plastic surgery made them 
better. <laughs> it's just that they believed they were better. And so that made a difference in how they showed up and how they felt. And so that rippled out into the other things. But I don't need to go and get plastic surgery just to feel good. I, there are other ways for us to feel good. Right. Beautiful. So you took a break from school to... You were chasing, right? You were chasing to try and figure out what was missing. Yes. Searching desperately. The... the the addictive behaviors became more and more bizarre as I became more and more desperate to find the missing piece. What was so, what was causing that emptiness? I, I feel like with addictions, you try to desperately bring in external things, but it's not a physical hole. It's, it's a spiritual hole. And unless you fill it up that way, you just get emptier and emptier as the addictions increase. That's that's what would, was happening. And also, an addiction makes the walls of your life get narrower and narrower. I, It becomes more and more of a prison. It became a really, it seems ridiculous, graduate from Harvard in medical school, getting more and more miserable. That's That's what was happening. From the outside, you can never tell about true success of a person. So I look like a success on paper, but but I was becoming more and more trapped and imprisoned in, you know, and the walls were created by me, my own thoughts. Right. It's interesting. You know, we look at somebody like Robin Williams and other people that have taken their life and they have all the measures of success. They have the yes. family, they have the great career, they have this, the you know, success in that great career. But when you're talking about that hole that makes you feel hungry, you know, we, we are trying to fill, people try to fill the holes in many ways. They fill it with food. They fill it with things, right? I have to have all the best cars. I remember I would keep like a full bar stocked, even though I didn't really ever drink at my house, because if somebody came over, I wanted to make sure that you know, that was a way that I could show that I was good enough. And, you know, the analogy I like to really use about this idea of hunger is that you're a bathtub or a bathtub and we turn on the faucet for to fill it to fill us up. Well, unless you have a plug for the drain, it's always going to, the water's always going to be going down, going down, going down. And you can, you can get, you can get so much water if you turn the water up all the way that the bathtub will actually overflow. The problem is, is you've got to keep that water flowing that high all of the time. So when we're talking about needing more, needing more food, needing more things, more money, whatever it might be, you've got to keep it going full speed. And there's no time to rest if you've got to keep everything, if you've got to keep the water on high so that the bathtub stays like just full enough. But when you fill the holes within you, the plug is full. You don't need that much to actually fill the tub. And it's real easy to put in enough effort so that it overflows and you have 
stuff to give where you're not feeling like you're lacking. But when you know that there's no drain in that bathtub, you've got to always, you can't give away any of that water because because you got to keep it going because it's just keep going down the drain. So beautifully. I love that analogy. It's so perfect. And what what is that plug? I think we've, I mean, that plug that keeps the water in is gratitude, right? That's it. That's what makes everything meaningful in life. It's what it's what changed my life from a world of gray to a world of color again. It, it, it's what helps you enjoy the bath. You can enjoy being in the bathtub once the plug is in there. Right. It helps you to enjoy every single thing. It's, it's such a perfect analogy. I love that so much, Jenea. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Well, the thing yeah. too, right? We, we hear it everywhere gratitude, gratitude, just be grateful, just be grateful. You hear people like Oprah say, you know, what's the secret to your success? Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Richard Branson, also a billionaire, gratitude. You hear it all the time. And honestly, I don't know that most people really understand how it works. You know, I've put it out there in a couple of different practical ways. One thing is when we're moving from an elevated emotion, a positive emotion, we make better choices. We're not trying to fill the hole because in that moment, we feel like that we have a plug in the bathtub. So we we are not trying to fill the hole and make sure that we get more and more and more. We're actually feeling good about what we have right now. And I think that piece, the right now, is the secret to gratitude. Yes. Because we're so focused on what it is that we don't have. Yes. Don't have enough money. Don't have enough food. Don't have, I better hold on to this. Can't let it go. Because what if I don't have enough later? That's all about the the future and the past. It's not about what we have right now. Exactly. That's why we have to keep stuffing our faces when we taste something good, because we are afraid this is going to end, and then what? Then I won't have any pleasure. It's the fear of the future that makes us keep going like that. If I don't keep eating this entire bag of potato chips right now, what? What will I be have afterwards? Where's the pleasure going to come from? So we just keep going. And that's, that's how a person has binges, overeating problems, you name it, gambling, relationships, any type of addiction. It has to do with keeping that pleasure going out of fear, fear that there's not enough pleasure in my life. Right. Um, and so you told me about... So you went on this spiritual journey. You went to Israel. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that you were there, you had a rabbi tell you, and this is so profound, <laughs> so profound. So we're talking about the pleasure and having to stuff our face to make sure that we have the pleasure because we're afraid there's not going to be enough later. And this rabbi told you that we can bring pleasure at any time 
but the price we pay is gratitude. Yes, exactly. I, I didn't get this at all. I didn't trust life. I didn't trust life. I didn't trust that we is an ultimate good purpose to all of this. Like, what are we here for? What are we doing here? You know, getting up every day to go to work, to buy food, to eat, to go to work. To, what is, what's, the, what's this all about? To learn that we are here. We were created. Our purpose for being here is to experience gratitude, to experience this world in pleasure, in the most pleasure possible. What does a parent want for their child? They want their child to have the greatest pleasure possible. That's it. So really, this cosmic oneness, the source of all, is everything. We exist because of like an illusory withdrawal, an illusory withdrawing to make us an other. So we are other, all for the purpose so we can experience this pleasure. And how do we experience it? With gratitude. That's how we experience all this whole garden that we've been given. It's, it's just amazing. It's just such a mind-blowing experience. Not mind-blowing, mind-expanding. Because this is what I didn't realize. It takes away that fear when you trust. That's really what we're, we're really here for gratitude. It's only out of love. That, that changes the entire perspective. We can go through difficult times. We can go through abuse. We can go through neglect as a child. How can we say, oh, you were just put here for love and when you've been through so much hardship? It's very hard to understand. I mean, that, and that's why I write books about the prevention of abuse. But, but the point is, a child can be given a very challenging beginning in life. That is, that's absolutely true. And there's more challenges to overcome for that soul. But that person can become a person just like you, Junia, because you are that person that has reached this point of working so hard over your challenges to become a person that's overflowing to give other people joy in life now because you got that. You, you were able to reach toward that wisdom even over those challenges. So yes, there's an ultimate goodness. And, and had you not been through what you've been through, you know, you might not have been able to, for sure, you couldn't be who you are today. But Well, it, that's, yeah. that is absolutely true. And you know, I, of course, believe that the universe is working for us. So the obstacles there, there to teach us the things that we need to get to wherever the next space is. Yes. And part of our traumas or the things, it happens because our parents don't know how to teach us. Yes. That when we focus on the here and now, that we and, and experience gratitude for it that it builds more of whatever it is that we're focusing on. And I know my parents didn't do that. My parents were always, they didn't know, I didn't know I was born in anxiety and I've felt it since the time I was born. Right. They probably, all, my parents felt it the generations before. So we've got generations and generations right. of people teaching us to hang on tight. Right. 
to these things because there might not be enough later. Right. And because of that, we're preventing so much joy. Yes. And again, I go back to this like practicality of gratitude. And I think it's really hard for people. One of the things I do with my clients, I give them gratitude questions. What in your life are you most grateful for right now? Right. That's the key right now. Yes. And so often they can't find it because their mind is so far forward and in the past. Right. It can't actually see what's here and present right now. So right now I am here and present and grateful for this wisdom that you are sharing. And that's happening right now. It's tangible. We can touch it. We can feel it. Everybody is experiencing it right now with us. Right. They will experience it in the future too through recordings. (laughs) (laughs) But in that moment, it will be there right now. And so what is it that we have right now? I have a desk here. I have a roof over my head. I have a beautiful conversation. These are all things. So even if I haven't gotten to the place where I'm thinking about how I'm grateful for it, just to notice that's it that I have it right now starts to make you feel better. Yes. It's a form of self-compassion. This is how we we build, bring love into our lives. All these loving experiences, especially if a child wasn't given it, yeah, we we bring it in by by eating this orange with love. We we I I, I my the orange is my favorite because of its because of its peel. I just love how that sweet juiciness is kept in for months, you know? It's so incredible. Individually packaged like this, bright and beautiful. I oh, I say that it, like all fruit, it was all green, mm-hmm. camouflaged in, hidden until they were ready, ready. And they called to us when they're beautiful colors. Now I'm ready for you. Beautiful beautiful to smell, beautiful to look at, wonderful to taste. Inside are the the seeds of infinity to become infinite number of trees, infinite number of more oranges. This is made with infinite love and caring and wisdom. We are being loved all the time. We just aren't aware of that. That's, That's the amazing thing. Especially with a hard childhood, we can't recognize that, but we can bring this into our lives through recognizing the breath that's being given to us from the vegetation and we're giving back to the vegetation. If we, if we recognize all the love that's cycling around that we weren't aware of, we get into a state of incredible gratitude. We can, we can overcome this. Why? Because we have a soul that's always shining. And when we go through, we go through the neglect, abuse, we go through these things, it puts a covering. We don't, we don't feel like we're shining anymore with, with, with support, like a person like you, a coach that could help to remove these layers. 
and to by bringing the gratitude and the love back into our lives, totally empowering. We can do it. Why? Because the soul is always shining. It's giving us this power all the time. All the time, it's still there. We have infinite resilience, even when we can't see it, but it's still there, shining underneath. So one of the things that I love, you write children's books, and these learnings, to really get them, you've got to get them at the unconscious level of your mind. And that is your emotional mind. It is the fight and flight part of your mind. And it's the part that runs the day-to-day. It's the part that drives you home when you're not paying attention. And so to speak to that part of the mind, because... That's the part of your mind that really needs to understand these concepts. You said you went to Harvard and we're, we're talking about knowledge. And we understand that intellectually with the front part of our brain, not the unco- with the conscious part of our brain. But when you really learn it at an unconscious level, it is emotional. It becomes a part of you in a different way. And the unconscious mind basically has the understanding capacity of a seven to nine-year-old child. So when you're trying to communicate with that part of your brain that's emotional, if you're speaking in Latin words and really complicated language, it's going to be really hard to grasp those concepts at an unconscious level, at that part where it becomes a part of you. So one of the things that I love about you writing children's books is that the parents that are reading these children's books, you are speaking the language that their unconscious mind can understand as well. So it's giving a greater opportunity to not only set the children up, to be able to access joy and have these beautiful learnings and wisdom, but you're also giving the parents the opportunity to reparent their inner child to also grow and shift the way they look at the world and the way they can experience pleasure. Yes, exactly. Even the grandparents that are reading it. It goes through everybody. It, the books that talk to children talk to the child that's still in everyone. And here's an amazing thing. Our souls never age. They are as vibrant as ever. In the person that's 120 years old, they are still that vibrant soul. So we can always nourish our souls at every single age. And there's infinite resilience in in being able to shine. Yes, it's true. It's true. So you went to, you went to Israel for a six week break. (laughs) And when did you come back? 10 years later. Yeah. (laughs) And so you were searching for the purpose. You were searching for the nourishment. You mess, you met up with a rabbi. And he told you that brilliant thing. I'm going to say it again. We can bring pleasure at any time, but the price we pay is gratitude. And so that rabbi taught you something else, right? Yes, 
the pleasure ladder, which I am loving sharing. I tell people, you can put this on your fridge, on your cupboard, wherever, to remind yourself that whole container of ice cream that you feel like eating, you know? What else could you do instead? If, when you finish it, you will not be full. You'll be emptier than before. So the lowest level are all the physical pleasures, the natural physical pleasures. These were designed with love to, the, to eat the natural whole food, to be out in nature, to exercise, to move, to swim, to dance, to, to music, to listen to music. These are natural, these, these enliven our senses. These gifts are given to us to nourish our bodies and our souls, uplifting everything. And that's just the lowest level of pleasure. So higher than that is love. And love, love, you would think that's dependent on someone else. Now, each of these, we have the power to bring into our lives at any moment. If a person is incarcerated in completely by themselves, they can bring love into their lives, focusing on someone that once did a kindness for them. It will uplift them. It will help their soul to shine. That's it. So we can bring love into our lives. Solitary confinement. That's the word I was thinking of. And in an addiction too, an addiction is like that. A person is putting themselves into solitary confinement. Right. So right at that place, like we've got the physical place. And I know for me, I used to, ice cream was my thing, right? That's a physical pleasure that I can enjoy. And there's a point where you become full and you're not, you're just trying to fill a hole in it. Exactly. So, but the thing about the ice cream, the reason why I loved it so much was because it was tied to these memories of sharing ice cream with my grandfather. And I felt so loved in those moments. So for me, the ice cream and the love were anchored together. And we have, we have a lot of this, I think, with everybody can relate. You have a birthday party, you get the cake and the ice cream and everyone's your center of attention and you feel that love. But if you take the moment and instead of thinking about the ice cream, right, we have the capacity to go into our memories and relive those emotions. So I can, instead of eating a pint of ice cream, I can close my eyes and think about what I was feeling when I was eating that ice cream with my grandpa and that warmth of love that surrounded me so I can access that without the ice cream. Beautiful, beautiful. It's recognizing what's really behind it. We're trying to fill that hole. Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's recon- and when we recognize that, we realize... There is no scarcity of pleasure in our lives. And that ice cream, the pint of container is going to end. Think about it and how we'll feel afterwards. Just emptier. But instead, we could bring that love into our lives. You could write a poem about your grandfather. You could think about your grandfather. You could do a dance just thinking about it. You could do, there's so many other ways to, or you could do a kindness for someone else because of your grandfather's kindness. It, so as we go up the ladder, here we're connecting to a physical thing, 
here we're connecting to another being. It, because why do we overeat? A, a feeling of lack of connection. We feel estrangement. We feel cut off. You know, this lonely, bored. This brings the connection back into our lives. Another person now meaning is even higher than that. So it's when we do something good and meaningful in the world. I love to give this example of a guy. I was explaining this to him and he said he, he ate two slices of pizza and then he was going to plow through the whole box, a knock on his door. His neighbor needs his help. He helps him for two minutes. When he comes back, he doesn't want the rest of the pizza anymore. Mm. He has filled up. He puts the rest in the fridge for another day. He, it's not calling his name loudly anymore because there's a different kind of pleasure, a, a more lasting pleasure, a greater pleasure, a bigger connection. He made a connection. Surprisingly higher than that, even higher level of pleasure is creativity. When we put a unique part of ourselves into the world and we, we're in a zone where we don't feel like sleeping or eating, we are just so high on that pleasure of giving back in gratitude for the gifts that we've been given into the world. The highest level, whoops, is transcendence. That's when we recognize we are all connected. We are not estranged whatsoever. That's, that's an illusion. The real thing is that we're all connected to each other, to the same source. The energy is flowing all the way around. We're just channels of that energy. We feel it under a starry, starry sky at night. We know we're a part of a greater universe. That feeling stays with us forever. So we can access any of these levels. And like you said, the price we need to pay to climb any rung at any time is gratitude. That's it. It's that recognition, the awareness of all this goodness that we can bring into our lives at any moment. Just recognizing that we're breathing, how amazing this is. When, if you ever had to hold your breath, it's really scary. You recognize this is a gift too. It's that's something the pandemic taught us to be grateful for our breath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of our comments is it says, I love closing my eyes at night and thinking of good memories before I fall into a peaceful spirit. And you're so right in the sense that we can access any of those, these things at any time. I think about my my personal life, you know, physical, the physical, I take time to eat good food. I take time to do all of those things. And then the love, I definitely have moments where I walk through the park in my near my house every day. And I just feel like so blessed and full of love that I get to connect to the trees. And then what was the third one? Oh, doing something good and meaningful. Doing something yes. good and meaningful. I do that for my through my work. Ironically, yes. ironically, my purpose is to create joy and to evolve humanity. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, and then the creativity. Every morning, I do some writing, so I get that, and and I also meditate. So every day 
you know, people wonder about how could I connect and create, like connect to all this joy and how could I create this much pleasure in my life? And I just shared with you, I do all of that usually before 10 a.m. <laughs> so, so it's entirely possible to connect to all of these kinds of pleasure in a way that will set you up for a beautiful day to be able to be focused on what you have instead of what you don't have, which is the whole, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And nourish your soul so that you can really enjoy your life. Yes. And, and, and you practice with the smallest of things. You practice with an orange. You practice with a raisin. And, and you get into a new habit. Like you say, what you focus on expands. That's what happens when you focus on being grateful it starts to take over your life the way an addiction could in the opposite way. It gets you shining. It gets you connecting. That's just what happens. It's, it's, I must say, well, I want, I don't want to call it gratitude and addiction. Can it, an addiction is when it's, it's, it's a negative thing. It's, it's when you have a compulsive need to do something despite the harm it's causing in your life. Gratitude is not causing you harm. And it, 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 it's, 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 it's all a self-care thing, actually. It's self-care. It's, it's filling yourself with loving compassion. It's experienced the loving compassion that really we were put here to experience. That's, right. that's the surprise. We, we, no one explains that to us from the beginning and we don't know that. And, uh, yeah. Well, and what is the gift, right? You talked about the invisibility, right? We have this invisible soul, so, which is a wonderful thing. That's great. Great. But why are we not running around as these invisible souls? Well, we have these physical bodies. Yes. So why would we have these physical bodies if it weren't for so that the soul could experience these yes. things. Beautiful. And if you're thinking about the forward, what's going to happen, what might happen in the future, if you don't have enough of this, don't have enough of that. If you're thinking about the past, the stuff that already happened, you're taking your consciousness, which essentially is like the seed of part of your soul, and you're putting it outside of the body so you can't experience anything that's happening right now. Yes. But when you come back to... What do I have right now? Like maybe before you even think about gratitude, if you're new to the practice, for some people, if they're in a dark space, it can be really difficult to actually even think of something they're grateful for. So what is it that I have right now? I have a chair that I'm sitting on. I have clothes on my body. And once you start to name the things that you have, in this moment, yes. then you can start to see, oh, well, I am grateful that I have clothes on my body because I'm not cold. Yes. Right. And there's that whole not cold, but I, I'm comfortable temperature wise. Oh, so I'm grateful that I'm comfortable temperature wise. Like what a blessing that is. And so just always, you know, you talk, people talk about presence and the power of now coming back to that place what do i have right now yes. and once you start doing that you can e you start to easily see what you can be grateful for yes and that that now 
is the breath of life. We have that this very moment. That's the breath of life. That breath of life is our soul. That's really who we are. We have that. When we have that, that's how we, that's how we learn to be grateful. Recognizing that, not taking it for granted. Taking less and less for granted makes us into more grateful, more joyful people. It's, it's just an amazing process. And you start small and you just see what happens. I, it's when you go on a new pathway, a, a, a car has never driven on it. It's really hard. Right. But once you keep going, it gets easier and easier. You create a path. That's what happens with our nerves. We create new neural pathways so that it becomes a new habit. And I learned that it takes 400 repetitions to form new synapses in the brain to create new habits. But if you do it joyfully, 10 to 20 repetitions and you've got the new habit going. That's amazing. So the way to do it joyfully is just simple practicing gratitude of what you have right around you right this minute. Absolutely. And, and it is. So if I were to sit here and tell you all 400 times <laughs> you are neutral in emotion, that gratitude is the path to happiness, you would start to believe it, provided you don't have some negative fears in the way. And the thing about emotion is that it will elevate your beliefs. So this is why people, we're going to talk negative for a second, why people get crowds ramped up and anger and all that, and then they'll drop the point that they want them to remember. Because when you are in a negative state of emotion, you are much more likely to form a negative limiting belief. You talked earlier about how the walls get narrower and narrower. So the more time you're spending in a negative state, fear, anxiety, anger, the more anything that happens is going to create a belief that will make your world smaller. And so you blow through those beliefs and you've got to shift them by changing the emotions so that neutral, we're going to run and talk about this 400 times. I will talk about it 8,000 times if that's what it takes for people to get it. But if you can get yourself in that positive state, you will understand it and be able to grab it and really embody it in a much faster state because emotion will always help you help or maybe not so help um, the beliefs that you form. So you always want to look at those beliefs that expand your reality, that open those fences wider, that make you know that more is possible. Yes. And, and it, it, it's so much about one of the, the, my newest book for children, don't read this book. It explains to children that there's a voice inside of you trying to get you to focus on what you are lacking. And it says, oh my gosh, there's a girl here with so much candy. The cart's all filled up with stuff. And she wants this one thing over there. Then she's, she's having a tantrum about this one thing that she can't get after she got all this other stuff. That's what, that's what all of our minds are doing to us all the time. They're going, 
oh, but don't be so happy. You don't have that. You don't have, it's getting us to focus on that. And when we, when we really understand that's what it's doing, then we could say, I get it. No, I'm going to focus on what I have already because this is an amazing thing. There was a study done six months after a person became paralyzed or six months after a person won a lottery, they were back to their same level of happiness that they were six months before. What changes a person's set level of happiness are gratitude exercises. That actually makes them into happier people. It's not winning the lottery and it's not something terrible happening like becoming paralyzed in an accident. They, that person, if they had the gratitude skills before, can get back to their level. It's unbelievable. And the person that won the lottery won't be happy after six months. They won't be a changed person. It's only learning these skills, these happiness skills, they change your entire life. Right. It's being able to focus on what you have, not what you don't have. So, Bracca, tell us how people can get your books. And I'm going to have one more question to ask you after this. But tell me and everybody else how people can order your books, especially that new one, because that really focuses so much on what happens for everybody. That little voice inside your head that's telling uh, you all those things you don't I have. This is the amazing thing. This book took me 30 years to write because I didn't have the surprise ending until last year. This is just life wisdom. What I didn't know is that voice inside your head that's telling you to focus on what you're lacking, that also, it really doesn't want you to listen to it. It wants you to push it off and overcome it because that also is put inside of you for your ultimate benefit. It wants you to, like a dumbbell, push it off and gain your gratitude muscles, saying, no, I'm going to focus on what I have and be grateful. It's an amazing thing. That's what I didn't realize until recently in life. So, yeah, all my books are, are on the website that was created by my children, getsbookshop.com. And for those of you listening, open up your browser and type this in right now. It's G O E. TZbookshop.com. And also you can download a free chart of the pleasure ladder from the website. It's a, it's a really good chart, not like simple. It explains every level. I yeah. love that. <laughs> and for those of you that want more pleasure at work, let's have a conversation. Let's see what we can do to help elevate your pleasure at work. You can book a call with me at elevatebookacall.com. Again, open up your browser, unless you're driving, type in elevatebookacall.com and let's have a conversation and see if it's the right fit for you to work with me to create more pleasure in your work. So, Braca. The woman who was maybe at the height of her food addiction, who was searching, searching, searching before she had gone to Israel for 10 years <laughs> on a six-week break. <laughs> that woman, what was the one thing that she really needed to know? I'll tell you. There, uh, just this tiny story. 
there was a person on a roof about to jump off. That's how I felt. And a lady sees him from across the way and she says, don't jump, whatever you do. I'm sure your life is filled with so many problems and your life is very painful. But what if in addition to all that pain, what if you were blind also? And what if right now you were given the gift of sight and you could see everything? Would you still jump? And he says, no, of course not. And she says, that's it. You have been blind your whole life. You now have vision. There is so much to be grateful for in your life. Open your eyes and see that. You, you, you've been blind to that. Despite all the pain, there is so much you could be grateful for. That, that's my message to myself back then. I really was ready to give it all up. It looked like I had a great life. I was done with it. I did not want to continue living in the prison I created. So what happened to me, changing to live a life of gratitude, understanding this changed everything. Opening my eyes to see that has been a transformed life. What was the one thing, you know, again, I, I brought this, I kept bringing this back down to the reality of just what you have, because it's so hard sometimes when you're in that dark place. Yes. To see the gratitude or see the thing that you could be grateful for. What is the thing that you think would have kind of opened that window that you could have seen at that point that you were that to be grateful for? I, I, I did not see anything to be grateful for. I didn't appreciate anything in my life until I finally understood that that's what this is all for, that there's a purpose to all this, that, that I was taking everything for granted, everything, and not appreciating it. And then I began to appreciate all the little things, all the big things, all the, I began to understand that everything was a blessing, which was a complete turnaround for me. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh my goodness. What a blessing to have you here today. I am so grateful that we both got to share our knowledge and wisdom with people. And I just, one of the things I love about doing this and having these conversations is you never know who's listening and who gets that one thing that they need to take the next best step with what they have right now. So thank you so much, Braca, for being here today, sharing your story, your wisdom. And remember, everybody, when we feel good about who we are and what we do, we create joy and elevate humanity. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time on Be The Wolf. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.